Welcome to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce with Cindy Stibbard. Cindy is ready to have those candid and unfiltered conversations so you know how to move forward in your marriage. You'll hear inspiring and insightful discussions surrounding this taboo subject to help you feel confident in your decision. Now, here's your host, Cindy Stibbard. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce. I'm your host, Cindy Stibbard. And I'm so grateful to those of you who continue to tune in with me every week. And if this is your first time tuning in with us, I am so glad you're here. On this show every week, if you haven't joined us before, we dig deep into a topic that many of us feel uncomfortable about, a topic highly stigmatized in our society and a topic that triggers even those of us who have gone through it and are well on the other side. And that is the topic of divorce. If you have been following me for a while and listening to my show, you will already know how truly passionate I am about changing the experience of divorce, because I believe that changing this experience is a movement and you don't have to be going through divorce yourself to be supportive of this movement, but I would bet that you know someone who has who is or who will go through divorce or who has at least been affected by a divorce around them at some point in their lives. And this show is for all of them. I really believe that if we can get more education, more resources and better professionals in front of all of those of you out there who may be going through a tough time, Whether it's divorce or empty nesting or parenting or trying to figure out your own traumas from childhood or honestly, any major life transition for that matter, my mission is to give you the tools to help empower you to navigate those tough times in a better and different way. And if we can really do that, that is where change begins. And I believe if we do this together, if we plan, if we prepare, if we pivot our mindsets, if we support each other, if we normalize the conversations, we can really start to eradicate the stigma and shame that society holds so firmly around divorce, separation, parenting, so many things. And if we really start to do this together, The entire foundation of our marriages, not only for us and our current relationships, but the relationships and the marriages that our kids have in the future can totally start to change. The movement to change the experience of divorce isn't bigger than us. It is us. So that's what I do. And that's what I do here is I've created this safe space for you to be able to come and listen and learn and grow and be vulnerable and get connected. And above all, to really feel that you are not alone. There are so many times I can't tell you how I will get a a direct message on Instagram where someone will have the courage to be able to tell me how they're feeling. And it is so normal in that moment where you feel like you're the only one feeling this to be validated, to know that you are not crazy, you are not alone, and I get you, is so powerful. And a lot of that is why I do what I do, because when we are in hard times, we do feel like we are all alone. And one of our most essential needs as human beings is to love and to be loved. Since we are literally wired for relationships from the moment we enter the world, 
one would think that it would be easy to pick partners that suit us. But the truth is, many people repeatedly pick the wrong partner and end up feeling unhappy and even utterly pained in their relationship for a very, very long time. For some of us, it's easy to walk away from a relationship when it's just not right for us. But for others, it's not so easy. And many people stay in relationships and are even aware of how deep their unhappiness goes. And they know somewhere down deep, their partner isn't the right one, but they don't know what to do about it. Or they end relationships after relationships or find themselves in the same kind of relationship over and over again that doesn't seem to be working. And they don't know why. There are many reasons that motivate us, how we choose our partners and why we stay in relationships that aren't good for us. And some of these reasons are conscious, while other reasons are not. And in order for us to understand what motivates our choices, we have to be willing to work on ourselves and build awareness around our own patterns. So today's guest is going to help shed light on some of the factors that may lead us into unhappy partnerships and what keeps us in them. She is known on Instagram as the Conscious Healing Mama. Dana Chirafalia is a conscious parenting mentor, content creator, and is on a mission to help inspire mamas to heal their childhood wounds so they can create the joyful, connected relationships they desire with both their partners and with their kids. Dana has two kids, aged four and two, who were and still remain the catalysts and inspiration for her healing and growth journey today. Welcome to the podcast, Dana. Thank you so much, Cindy. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here. I'm so I'm so happy to have you because when I first saw you on Instagram, I was so intrigued by your approach and the fact that you're a mom and you go into conscious parenting, which is something we'll touch on a bit later. But when you and I connected over Instagram, you're like, yeah, we should talk about why people choose the wrong partners. And I was like, yes, <laughs> that's a good place to start. So yes. tell us a bit, for, first of all, kind of your backstory, how, what brought you here? Sure. So this part could take up the whole podcast, I'm gonna, <laughs> but, um, so I am originally from Northern Minnesota. I've lived in Arizona for the past almost 12 years. And, um, I, I guess I will tell more, more of a relationship story, kind of a combination with my kids. So I actually got married for the first time uh, at 22 after uh, only nine months of knowing my partner, my then partner moved to Arizona and was divorced within a year. Um, He actually had ended up leaving and uh, left me for somebody else. So I went through a divorce at 23 alone in Arizona with no family and no real support system beyond a few close friends. Um, Fast forward to about two years later, went on match.com, decided to jump back into the dating field. I thought I had read the books and done the work and I had done some, apparently not enough. Um, Jumped right into a relationship with an amazing man, got married three years later. Um, You know, we were together almost nine years, almost 10 years um, recently. And um, as of the last three months, I am now separated and on my path to divorce. Um, and you know, that shred of unhappiness has been there for far too long. And I am one of those people who knew that the relationship was not right for me 
but didn't leave for one reason or another. So yeah, and you're there's a whole lot out there. there but <laughs> yeah. Yes. So conscious parenting is is my jam. I got into it after I had my after I had my kids. I just knew I wanted to do things differently. I grew up in a very volatile, chaotic um, home where you know emotions were not okay. It was a lot of parentification. I became basically a mom when I was like ten years old. I had three younger siblings, so just a lot of dysfunction and. Um, enmeshment and all kinds of unhealthy dynamics that I didn't realize were unhealthy until far later in life. Right. Once you start reflecting and examining my patterns and I'm like, Oh, I've just uncovered so much over the last couple of years underneath those layers of childhood trauma and how they showed up in my adult life as a mother and a partner. And it's gotten me to here where I'm at now feeling free after finally making the decision to walk away. Um, Mm. Now I'm on that journey of what actually going through a divorce with small kids looks like. Wow. I know that's a big one. That is such, such a big one. And it sounds like you, like you said, you stayed in a situation which you knew wasn't serving you for quite some time, which is actually really common for women. It statistics say research says that most women stay for about, or contemplate leaving their situation for about two years, minimum of two years before actually doing anything. I mean, I was five years and I know there's other women out there who were maybe longer than that. And some just know deep down, uh, like I had children with this person, although I knew maybe this wasn't the right one, you know, what was that like for you? when you came to that discovery in yourself that this might not be working. So funny enough, I had brunch with a girlfriend of mine about two weeks after my wedding day telling her, I don't know if I made the right decision because I deep, deep down when I was really honest with myself, I was like, I just, who like, he's a wonderful person in so many ways, but there was just this piece missing that I had identified early on. But in my head, I had played that game of but that's not a big enough deal to not want to be with somebody. Right. And we make excuses for, for why that thing that we feel important about actually isn't that important at all. And what I found was throughout my entire marriage and relationship with him, that thing that I felt was really small in the beginning was the thread of everything that became really big for me in my relationship with him. And everything just stemmed from that one thing that I knew early on, but I ignored it because I downplayed the importance of it to me. Um, and so throughout the relationship, again, I, I am my brain due to how I grew up is, is trained to look for the good things. It's trained to ignore the bad, ignore the sad, ignore anything that doesn't feel good and just focus on the good stuff because that's what matters. And while that's not necessarily a bad thing, when you do that in relationships, that can cause you to not dig deep enough into the things that maybe you don't like and admit how important they are to you. Um, yes. you, might, you might question like, should I be feeling this way? And again, when you grow up in a home where your feelings and your voice is questioned and dismissed and quieted, your, your whole young, young self, you know, your whole life when you're young, you learn to question yourself as an adult. You learn to minimize your thoughts, your feelings, and think, oh, maybe 
I'm making too much of a big deal about this. Like I should really be grateful for X, Y, and Z. And I quieted the voices within. I ignored and shoved away and quieted the voices within my, almost my entire relationship with him. And yeah. Um, and it was almost like I was like dissociating throughout my entire relationship. Like, of course there were good times there had to be like, and of course he's a, he was a really great person, but like foundationally did who I was and who he was match up to create a union that was in alignment and parallel to what we both wanted out of life. I don't think so. Um, and I uncovered more and more of that, but again, anytime I uncovered a new thing, I just kind of dismissed it or downplayed it or ignored it, or I wouldn't bring it up to him, you know, because I didn't want to rock the boat. I didn't want to be the dramatic one. I didn't want to be the wife who complained or nagged, or it was almost like I was living by these set of unspoken rules of how a wife should be. Um, even though in so many ways I was not fulfilled and nor were my needs met. Oh crap. I feel like you're just speaking my, like exactly my story. (laughs) I am like, this could not resonate with me any deeper. And you've, you've touched on so many key points that I was just like, Oh my God, I like, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that. And yeah, I think that I think a lot of us at the beginning of relationships, we are so blinded by love that we overlook things because we think, I don't want to overthink this and ruin a good opportunity. So we look at those red flags and they're not super red. Then they're like little shades of light pink. Right. And they're just there. And we're like, Oh, it bothers me. But is that me just a me issue? You know, like, is this something that's just a no big deal? So we brush it off and, you know, there is that quote that goes around. I don't think, I don't even know who wrote it, but says, that that red flag that you overlook in the beginning will be what ends your relationship. And honestly, it sounds like it was for you. It totally was for me because they grow and they get redder and redder. And you think, why am I, am I negative? Like, am I just being, do I need to be more positive in this? And am I just being the naggy one? And cause you're also told that too. Like, why do you have to harp on me? Why do you have to complain about that? Why can't you just be grateful for your yeah. life? And so you start, you stop talking because you start to think, oh, okay, yeah, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just complaining. Maybe I'm looking for something that doesn't exist, right? I'm looking at the negative. You're always looking at the bad. But I love what you said too about you were raised this way. So, I mean, I go into, I do so much deep work too about myself and figuring out like why I'm the way I am, why I choose the way I choose. So you've clearly done a lot of work in identifying how that showed up for you as an adult. So what does that look like as a kid to be raised in an environment or in a way that you feel like you have to just look at all the positive? Because Mm -hmm. I get that too. It was like my game face went on. I always just pretended everything was totally fine that when it wasn't. So where, and, and other people are not that way. Right. So where do you think that, you know, where does that start? What does that look like? Um, you know, I think we all develop our own coping mechanisms one way or another, and each of us based upon our own temperaments and personalities, we're going to develop different coping mechanisms. But I know, you know, for me at a really young age, I was fed the message of like, you need to be grateful. 
just be happy, like move on, brush it off. There's no reason to be sad, find the silver lining. Um, because when your kids are happy, they're easier to deal with. And, you know, I, I love my dad, but he was overworked. He had experienced so much of his own trauma. He didn't have the capacity to hold space for anything other than an easy kid, especially once his three other kids came along starting when I was nine years old. And um, I think when, when you get the message really early on as a child that, you know, the things you think are a big deal are actually not a big deal, then you learn to just shut down what you feel and think, oh, well, they, they're telling me it's not a big deal. So it must not be right. So when you grow up in a home where there's a lot of, whether it's yelling or violence or fighting or just moving a lot, like things that are a really big deal. And you have parents who make you believe that those things are not a big deal. Then you just stop believing they are and think, I mean, I guess that's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. And when you're a child, you don't have a choice. You can't walk away. You can't go get a new family. So you have to find ways to survive in the best way you know how. And I think for me early on, I, I really figured out that this message I received from my dad to just be grateful for what you have, just move on past the bad, like keep going, you do what you got to do. I really embraced that from a really young age because I found out that by doing that, I could succeed in school. And when I succeeded in school, that is when I felt the most love. When I succeeded at home and did chores and made my dad's life easier, that is when I received praise and love. And when I, you know, could do everything possible to minimize the amount of stress my dad would feel that I felt worthy, I felt good. Um, wow. So love was really almost performance-based in your absolutely. house. Yeah. Like if you did really well, if you got the good grades, if you know you earned love that way. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise it was go away. I don't want to see you. Like, I don't, don't, don't be around me. If you're going to act like that, nobody wants to be around someone like that. You know, those kind of messages that I'm sure, you know, so many of our, of your listeners have probably experienced very similarly. Yeah. Um, and even the, growing well, up, like our, like our parenting too, like they didn't know any better. And so you did that, right? Like go to your room if you're going to behave that way or go sit on the step or we always shunned us yeah. somewhere else when we had those big feelings, because we don't want to deal with your behavior right now, instead of going deeper in terms of, okay, what's going on here for you? Yeah. So when you're a kid, you, you, you draw your own stories for why those things happen for why you're treated that way. And almost always kids internalize there's something wrong with me. Maybe I'm, I'm the problem here. And kids, kids don't think that their parents are the problem because their parents are their world. So they internalize everything. And those messages start really, really early, really, really early. Um, and when those messages you receive are cemented for you in receiving praise and positive feedback and success, then you internalize those as beliefs of like, this is what it means to be a good person, a helpful person, a successful person. And in order for me to feel worthy and loved and validated, I have to be these things. Um, so being anything else feels uncomfortable. Yes. And so then fast forward out of childhood into now you're getting into relationships with other people with intimate mm -hmm. partners. What does it look like in that way, in that regard? 
Yeah. I will for I guess the first thing I will say is is what I didn't know that I've learned is that um we unconsciously look for relationships that allow us to replay patterns of the relationship we had with our caregiver. Right. So a lot of times we might be attracted to someone who resembles our mother, father, caregiver in a certain way, whether it's emotional unavailability or lack of motivation, someone who needs to be cared for, someone who needs to be saved, because we like to play the roles we're used to playing. And so when we find somebody who gives us signal of like, ooh, that will allow me to play that role. Yes, I want that. We might not even be aware of that. We just might feel butterflies, chemistry, connection. Um, And I don't think that that's all chemistry and connection, but there's something to be said about specifically sexual attraction with partners that when you feel that intense physical sexual attraction, though it feels good, it's like you have to question it because instinctively, unconsciously, our body wants to repeat those stories and try to find a different outcome with our partners. Um, Mm -hmm. So when we get into relationship with someone who feels familiar, it feels good. It feels normal. It feels right because that's all we've ever known. Yeah. And so until you start to really get to the root of, well, what is it that I want? What is it that I need? Um, and how can I find a partner to meet those things until you really even know how to answer those questions? And some, for those of us with childhood trauma, identifying our needs is really hard um, because our needs didn't matter for so long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Part of that process is being stepping into your womanhood and, and claiming what your needs are and what you'll tolerate and what you won't. Mm-hmm. Um, but the truth is when you're still carrying around all of this unhealed trauma, your, your system is looking for somebody to save you, to finally be the partner you didn't have in your parents. And when you see little shreds of promise, you're like, yep, this is the one. Yeah. Isn't that crazy how we like, but we choose what we are comfortable with. And I think that even that even relates to something that's really chaotic. So if you grew up in a family where there was fighting, maybe there was, there was abuse of certain kinds, there was, um, substance abuse even, and there was constant, like high stress, chaos, fighting, you tend to create that in your next or expect that it's normal in your yeah. next relationship, you know, because that's what you know. And that level of constant tension or mm-hmm. high anxiety is what you've been trained to, to feel. And like you were saying too, in that in, you want to find someone who, um, is comfortable for you in that way. I can see how that would mold into this partnership. You know, I, I don't feel loved if I'm not doing things for them, if I'm not pleasing them, if I'm not making sure that they're okay. And I'm providing, you know, a stable home life for this person. And, and as that morphs into an adult relationship, like I'm supposed to be the caregiver, the mother, the making sure that I'm your solid rock, because that's what I am supposed to do to earn love from you. Yep. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. It is, it is crazy. The patterns that, that we, that we roll on and we identify with, but like going on, when do we, 
like as young adults, there's no way that we know this about ourselves, right? Like we're testing the waters young and we're trying to figure out who's best for us. And we tend to go through a bunch of relationships. I mean, I kind of hope you do because I think that's the best way, right? Yes. Date lots, find out who you are, ideally spend some time alone. You know, all there's, there's an ideal process. I definitely did not follow it. And I mean, I'm grateful for my journey, but you know, yeah, ideally look like that. And I think that as we learn who ourselves are, sometimes that's not going to happen when you're young. I mean, I look back and I'm like, I had no idea like who I really was. I don't even think I really knew until like I got divorced in my forties. Right. I'm like, Oh, actually knew who I was, but here we are again, learning myself and okay. What did I do wrong this time? What do I need to do better this, you know, this new time around with someone new, because when we are in a situation like you are now in with divorce and myself, I went through divorce almost, you know, four and a half, almost five years ago, you do have to take a certain level of accountability for your role and how it worked. Like, even if this person did a whole bunch of bad things and hurtful things, you still get, allow yourself to get to that place for all of those things to even happen. And, and for choosing to marry that person and all of those things may not have been evident at the beginning. And as they roll out, you see, okay, how did I contribute to how this went? And I think that when we get to that place, that is when your true healing can, can start to happen, which I think it would be great if we dove into a bit more of that um, after the break. So just before we head to break and people are on a break, tell them everyone where they can find you out there on social. So you can find me at the conscious.healing.mama on Instagram. Um, and then I have a website. It's just DanaCharfalia.com. Um, not really hanging out anywhere else on the web yet. <laughs> I haven't dove in yet. I don't know. Those do. Those are just fine. Those will do. So go check her out while you, well, um, we are on a quick break and we'll be right back. All of us know that it is next to impossible to make rational, logical, and even smart decisions from a place of fear. Most times, if we are in a place of fear and uncertainty, we won't make a decision at all. Cindy supports many individuals and couples at this stage who have been unhappy and unfulfilled, who are either currently in the process of divorce or just only contemplating the idea of separation. Cindy's clients are wise and brave enough to realize that they need to know more before they are able to make such a big life decision. Working with a divorce coach at these stages is the smartest investment you could make for yourself and your family. And it will almost always set you up for a better outcome, whether you choose the path of divorce or not. There have been many individuals and couples who have decided to give their marriage another shot after working with Cindy. As a divorce coach, certified divorce specialist, and qualified discernment counselor, Cindy is an advocate of healthy relationships, whether a couple chooses to separate or try to stay together. She provides new insights, education, guidance, emotional support, and understanding of the many possible options for both individuals and couples who are on the brink of separation. At the end of the day, as Maya Angelou once said, when we know better, we do better. This is exactly the focus and purpose of working with Cindy. Are you considering separation or currently in the process of divorce and feeling overwhelmed, afraid, and confused about what this means for your future and that of your children? Do you want to make the right decision without regrets? Why keep waiting? Book a free confidential discovery call with Cindy today. 
Text divorce to 604-200-6446 or email info at divorceredefined.ca. All of us know that it is next to impossible to make rational, logical, and even smart decisions from a place of fear. Most times, if we are in a place of fear and uncertainty, we won't make a decision at all. Cindy Stibbard, founder of Divorce Redefined, professional divorce and decision coaching, supports many individuals and couples at this stage who are unhappy and unfulfilled, who are either currently in the process of divorce or just only contemplating the idea of separation. Does this sound like you? If it does, you are not alone. Text DIVORCE to 602-200-6446 to book your free call. Those who choose to work with Cindy are wise and brave enough to realize that they need to know more before they're able to make such a big life decision. Working with a divorce and decision coach at these stages is the smartest investment you could make for yourself and your family. And it will almost always set you up for a better outcome, whether you choose the path of divorce or not. There have even been many individuals and couples who have decided to give their marriage another shot after working with Cindy. Because what she offers at Divorce Redefined is different. You don't have to only be getting a divorce to benefit from her professional guidance. Cindy offers a unique element in addition to her popular divorce services called Decision Coaching. Decision coaching is a type of guided support that is meant to help couples get out of that indecision purgatory. Modeled after her training at the Doherty Relationship Institute, Cindy Stibbard's decision coaching approach is specifically designed to do just that, help couples come to a decision, whether to take one more shot at reconciliation or whether it's better to prepare for divorce. Regardless of the direction taken, couples on the brink finally find the clarity and confidence to know whatever they decide, it is what's best for their family. As a divorce and decision coach and certified divorce specialist, Cindy Stibbard is an advocate of healthy relationships, whether a couple chooses to separate or try to stay together. She provides new insights, education, guidance, emotional support, and understanding of the many possible options for both individuals and couples who are in the process of uncoupling. At the end of the day, as Maya Angelou once said, when we know better, we do better. This is exactly the focus and purpose of working with Cindy. Are you considering separation or currently in the process of divorce and feeling overwhelmed, afraid, and confused about what this means for your future and that of your children? Do you want to do this right and make choices without regret? If you still aren't sure, ask yourself this. If I'm still in this exact place six months to a year from now, am I going to be okay with that? If your answer is no, Cindy is ready for you. Book a free confidential discovery call with Cindy at Divorce Redefined today. Text DIVORCE to 604-200-6446. That's text DIVORCE to 604-200-6446 to book your free discovery call today. You don't have to do this alone. You are listening to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce with Cindy Stibbard. If you have a question for Cindy or her guests, join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to the show. Here is Cindy Stibbard. Welcome back, everyone, to Divorce Redefined. And today I am joined by my guest, Dana Charfalia. She is a conscious conscious parenting mentor and content creator. She's on Instagram as the conscious healing mama. And we're talking about our patterns in relationships and how they really start 
from where we were, how we were raised, how we were, you know, raised as children really set the stage for the partners that we begin to choose as a young person when we start to enter intimate partner relationships and what that ends up looking like in long-term relationships and even in marriages. So Dana and I were just talking about how we identify that in childhood. And, you know, you do see, I mean, we do see people who tend to get themselves into the same relationship over and over. You even see it in divorce. You know, someone will get divorced. Typically it's when they're not doing any work on themselves. Either someone left them and they think, well, it's not my problem. They left me and they continue to still get in the same relationship or someone leaves a person thinking that the problem was all that person, but then yet they get into another relationship and it's the same stuff that comes out over and over. So, you know, if you're out there and you are this person thinking, Oh my God, I keep choosing the same partner. Why? Like, how can I break this pattern? Tell us a bit more about, first of all, how you even notice that you are in this pattern. And then secondly, what do you do to shift yourself out of it? Yeah, absolutely. So the, and this sounds far too simple than it actually is, but the biggest piece of identifying these patterns is getting conscious, getting aware of yourself, um, paying attention deeply to yourself. I think we are so in tune with everything outside of ourselves, our kids, our partners, our friends, our work, everything outside of us. Because quite frankly, it's easier to focus out there than it is to focus here. And so I would say the biggest approach is getting, and when I say getting conscious, what I mean is, is look at what happens throughout your day, how, how you're, how you're feeling, how the kind of responses you have with your partner, with your kids, the kinds of, you know, especially feelings like resentment, feelings like anger and, and digging deeper to understand like, okay, not just, oh, this person said that, did that I'm pissed now, but why does that get me? What is it about that thing that makes me feel so furious Mm -hmm. or, you know, when I get short or when I get quiet or when I recluse myself, maybe that's something you do in your relationships. Like that's something I learned. I do. It's getting underneath and asking the questions. What what am I trying to feel when I do that? What am I trying to protect myself from when I, when I do that? Um, and, and sometimes we're so stuck in these cycles of behavior that we do not even realize that they're happening because it's, it's unconscious at that point. You're repeating patterns that you have been re- doing your whole life. And so until you decide to say, something's not good with me here. Like this isn't feeling good. I don't know exactly what's happening, but I know I need to tune into myself to start noticing little things. Mm -hmm. And you can't sit in one five minute reflection sesh and just like point out all these different things. It happens very little, little bits and pieces over time. But if you just simply place your focus on, okay, five minutes a day, the end of a day, five minutes, I'm going to sit quietly and I'm just going to think about my day, the things that happened, maybe the things I felt that I didn't even realize I was feeling at that point, the interactions I might have had and and how they went and start to question, 
Because when you when you can objectively look at yourself, your patterns, your behaviors objectively without getting defensive and saying, well, I was only that way because so-and-so did this. And it's like, Mm-mm. stop the blame game, own mm-hmm. your stuff, own your stuff. Okay. I know that is really hard for some people because it's, if you've lived a whole life thinking and believing that other people are the cause of your behavior, then doing this will feel painful and yes. it will take some time. But oh my gosh. when you take accountability for, I am me, my feelings, my responses, my reactions, everything is mine and mine only to own, things start to shift then. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. That is so big. And to be able to, I mean, identify and aware, be aware of that in the moment because oh, it totally resonates with me because I'm in a, a relationship with someone new since my divorce and you tend to start arguments or conflict very similarly, you know? And so you get the same reaction and you're like, why is this the same as it was, um, in my marriage? And then I start to realize like, oh, because I'm reacting exactly the same. And that's what is evoking this, a similar response in my partner. So the moment I stopped and thought, okay, I'm not going to react like defensively. I need to really think about my words and how they're coming across when I'm expressing myself. And I also need to emotionally validate them in the moment, because you know, when someone feels like attacked, you, they immediately get defensive and they feel like they're doing something wrong. They're not living up to your expectations of them. And so my approach now is to say, no, like this is not about you and how much I love you. This is just really about this situation. And I want us to be able to talk through it and, and know that I don't think you're a bad person. I just think we need to fix this because this is how it's making me feel. And like asking how, how does it make you feel when I'm sharing this with you, you know, really open the field in a calm way instead of getting angry. Cause I grew up in a, in a family where you brought your feelings up, there was conflict and then it was shut down. Like it was stonewalled. I love my father, but he literally would do the silent treatment thing for like days on end. And then you'd feel like crap and you wouldn't want to bring that up anymore because you fear that loss of love or that abandonment, you know, you're really iced out, but only because, I mean, now as an adult, I realize it's because he doesn't, didn't know what to do with that. Mm -hmm. Right. He didn't know what to do with my feelings. And I was very vocal (laughs) as a child as I am now, but you know, over time it, it sort of stops and you feel a lot of shame for feeling a certain way. And you want it to come across really clearly to your partner because you start to fear their response. They start to, you start to fear rejection. If I'm going to say this to you, you might reject me for being clear and honest with you. Um, but having that accountability part of, okay, this situation isn't working well, how can I change it differently? Or how can we have conversations about it? Even after the fact, you know, you might have a blow up that just didn't go well. And you might be able to talk about later and say, you know, you know, that argument we had the other day, I really didn't like how that went. And I feel like I was behaving a certain way that caused you to be defensive. And like, can let's figure out how we can do that this better because it made me feel, you know, really sad and uncomfortable and disconnected from you. And I don't want that to be the way that we communicate, you know? Yes. 
That just sounds so ideal, right? But shit takes a shit ton of work. (laughs) No, I should have done that the whole time, but it's like, like there's a, but there, there, right. There's that space of, I know what to do, but I don't do it because it's not what I know. I know what to do, but it's not what I know. So that space between is that healing, right? It's and healing. Isn't this like magical meditative therapy? Like, oh my God, I'm healed. It's like one little tiny experience at a time. It's, it's tiny little moments of practice of reflection of pausing because you feel that reaction coming and you're like, Nope. Okay. I need to take yeah. a step back. I'm yeah. going to do it different time. And it's, but you have to be willing, you know, you have to be willing to challenge yourself. You have to be willing to take your ego. Everyone has one and it gets in the way. Take your ego out of the equation and say, you know what, what is best for what I want for my relationship? And how can I respond in ways that are in alignment with that? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the challenge because in the moment, sometimes we don't even know we're as upset as we are until we're already far across the blowing up finish. Line. <laughs> we're like, wow, I didn't even realize how angry I was about that because maybe yes. you bring it in, holding it in, holding it in. And then it comes out and then it's just like a volcano erupts. Yeah. And then and, you can't control it. Yeah. So then at that point, it's like, all right, clearly I need to tap further into myself and acknowledge when I'm feeling things far earlier than I'm allowing myself to get to. Because sometimes you believe like, oh, it's not, I'm not angry enough to bring it up and rock the boat right now. Right. So I'll just, I'll just leave that for later. And then these tiny little things keep adding up on top of it. And they might not even be related, but it, they add up and add up and you don't say anything about any of them. And then all of a sudden one thing happens wrong and you're just like, come on. You're yes. like, yes. What? Okay. I know. <laughs> oh my God. I love that you said that because I am totally that way. I will be like, oh, ah, it's fine. I'll just let that go this time. I'm not, I'm not, it's not mad enough. I'm just annoyed by it. But yeah. now I realized and over time, and even in my marriage, I left things and I just kind of swept it under the rug and they don't go away. In fact, they just get worse. And so I've made a conscious decision to say, you know, even say to my partner now, I say, I'm going to, when I feel something immediately, I'm just going to bring it up because also you're not bringing it up in a, in a state where you are so heightened that you can't control it anymore right? You're basically saying, Hey, I just want to let you know, this is how that made me feel. I'm not upset. I just think that we should kind of talk this through because I don't like how, you know, a, B and C or where this could go. And I want us to be aware of this going, you know, on in the future. Now that I nip those things in the bud, they very rarely get to that place of explosion. And so you're also offering your partner a chance to be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. If that makes you feel weird or uncomfortable. Yeah, for sure. Like I can understand how that would make you feel in a really non-defensive way because you're not coming at them because it's been building up so long and it gives them a chance to also show them lovingly that they're able to make a bit of a change for you. You know, like we also have to give our partners some, some autonomy and some credit where they actually love you back or they might not be here. (laughs) Yes. And I just, honestly, like what you said about sharing things in the moment when you feel them, like 
actually having a partner where you feel safe enough to do that. I mean, that's, that's half the battle too. Right. Mm -hmm. But it sounds idyllic. And that is the thing that I have really identified, um, that I did not do well in, in, you know, in my marriage and just letting things fester or taking on too much because, you know, he wasn't doing well mentally, whatever, what, what have you, but getting to that point where your nervous system, your body even feels safe enough to be like, I can rock the boat a little bit and still feel worthy of love and still yes. feel my feelings matter. Um, and I will say too, part of that process is doing that for yourself first mm-hmm. validating that how you feel, no matter how small or big matters and is worthy of sharing with the person you care about. Um, but it has to start with you because if you constantly just shut down your own feelings or ignore them, dismiss them, shame them, then you, you almost certainly won't start to do that with other people because you can't even do it for yourself. And that's that how so true. Yes, that is totally true. And I like how you said that safe space because starting to bring those things up, I think is almost a test to see, is this a safe space for me? Like, is my partner going to get on this level with me in this place where I can share in a really comfortable, compassionate, loving way. So the more you go there a little bit and say, Hey, I'm going to just try, I'm going to just going to try. And when I'm feeling it, talk about it and see if where that goes, this might give you a lot of insight into your partner and what they're going to be able to handle going forward. Because if they're constantly like your attempts at that communication and is constantly being shut down, this might be something that you think about, all right, well, you know what, this is enough of a red flag for me to know that I can't I can't be silenced about how I feel anymore. You know, I'd be used to that in my past relationship or whatever it might be for you and say, I'm not going to be able to do that. And if this person isn't open or ready, because maybe they're not to meet me here, then maybe we're not ready to continue this relationship or take it to the next level or whatever that means. Yes. That is so powerful. And it's scary because you're in a relationship and you think like, I I don't know, is it enough to end it? Is it enough for me? But it Mm -hmm. should be. And I think that we need to give ourselves enough credit and self-love to know that we deserve to have our needs met. And we deserve to have a a loving, safe relationship that we build. You know, you don't find a good relationship. You make a good Mm -hmm. relationship. Yes. So all of these, the ways that, you know, we're becoming aware as adults. Like I love how you have taken it to the next level and have really focused on how you can change this for your kids because of the way that you were raised and you saw your patterns coming out as we all do, you know, and it's no, it's no, it's no harm to our parents. They didn't know any better, but we also can't blame them for us now because we are starting to learn how to do this better. And Mm -hmm. you clearly want to make that change for your kids. So how do you do that now? You know, they're little, they're learning, they're growing. How do you shift this for them? Absolutely. So a lot of like conscious parenting is really that relationship you have with yourself and identifying your own patterns and beliefs and thoughts. And, and how those show up in a relationship with your kids. Um, when you have children, you are stressed in ways you've never thought possible. Like your life completely changes. You're needed in ways you never could imagine. Like all of these different trigger points come up. And when we can identify 
what's at the root of how we harshly react with our kids and how, you know, how we have to control ourselves rather than try to control our kids. It's not about controlling our kids. It's how do we control ourselves and be the model person? We hope that, that they'll be somewhat like someday. It's letting them, you know, letting them be who they are, but first and foremost, knowing that your role as their parent is to be the model, right? And so if you want them to experience healthy, communicative, open, safe relationships with their future partners, they first have to establish what that actually looks like with you. And so when you have those moments of when you need to set boundaries or when you need to, you know, your kiddo wants you to put a puzzle together, but you've, you have to finish the laundry because if you don't, you're just going to blow, you know, it's, it's not getting mad at them for trying to take away your time to do laundry. It's saying, you know what, buddy, I love you so much. And puzzles are amazing. I will do that puzzle with you in 10 minutes. I've got to finish this laundry and I'll be right with you. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's owning that communication style. It's owning like the opportunities that you have as a parent to model taking care of yourself setting boundaries, repairing after conflict, how to manage conflict, how to treat people. Your kids look to you for every single one of those things. And so if you're like us and you grew up in a home where you likely heard, do as I say, not as I do, that doesn't make any sense. You don't, Mm -hmm. you didn't have anyone to teach you. You didn't have anyone to show you the way. You're like, they want you to be, be this and have these healthy relationships. And how the heck am I supposed to do that when I didn't have a single model of that in my home with you? Like, right. And when we own that, that power we have as parents to lay that healthy foundation for them in every way, side note, this does not mean we have to be perfectly Zen and calm and like, no. Yeah. Relationships are complicated and you have moments where you yell or you lose it or you're short with them or, you know, whatever. But when you do, okay, what is healthy repair look like? What is ownership over what you did look like? You know, like yesterday, um, I was, I had folded laundry in the basket nicely and I was about to put it away. And my son, he's four. He was just like all over the place. And then he started like throwing all of the laundry. And I like, I don't even know where it came from, but I grabbed his arm and I said, stop like really harshly. And I don't do that often. So he looked at me and was like, and I was like, and he ran downstairs and he went in the bathroom and he was like scared. You know, he was, mm-hmm. he was mad. And in a few minutes, I gave him a few minutes in there and I came down and, and he was just like, he looked at me, mom, you yelled at me. And I got down on his level and I just said, I know, buddy, I did. You're right. And you know what? That is not your fault that is not your fault. I was feeling frustrated. My body, my body was feeling angry and I yelled at you and I'm so sorry for that. And it's, you know, the act of repair of of owning like that was mine. That was not your fault. Like, yes, you were a catalyst that, you know, you were messing up my laundry and our parents, well, if you wouldn't have done that, then I wouldn't have yelled at you. Yeah. Yeah. Blame on you. Right. Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. I'm the adult here. It is my job to manage my emotions and my reactions. And the main thing with repair, right, is just letting them know that it's not their fault. You know, it, it is mine to own. And here's here's what I'm doing to 
what, what I'm doing to work on not getting to that point with you. Mm-hmm. Um, when we show them, like, we are human too. This kind of stuff is going to happen because humans are complicated. But when we can repair and not just say, I'm sorry. Well, no, what is an actual real apology look like? It's taking accountability and then saying like, here's how I'm working on not doing that again in the future. And, you know, I want you to know that it's never okay for somebody to yell at you, to grab you like that. It is never okay for that, those things to happen. And I want my kids to know that because if they know that now they will know that forever. Yes. You are setting them up for those boundaries already in place for what they will and will not accept. Mm -hmm. I think that's so powerful. And just the fact that teaching them accountability. Yeah. I, I screwed up. I did not handle that in the way that I should have. And I know that that hurt your feelings. And I'm sorry for that. That's gigantic for them to be able to go off and then take accountability for themselves in that way. And even I feel, I don't know how you feel, feel about this, but even to be able to call you out a little bit, and I'm not saying like talk back to parents, but I want my kid to say to me, mom, you're not speaking to me really well, really nicely right now. Or, you know, I don't like how you're behaving or you're talking to me right now. I think like, that's kind of okay because I want them to be able to, if they can't call me out, their parent who is their safest place, how do we teach them that it's okay to call out someone else outside of this family when you are feeling unsafe? You know, does that make sense to you? hundred percent. Yeah. I, starting when my son was like two and I, I would, when I would, you know, have those moments of needing to repair, I would tell him like, buddy, you can tell me you mommy, you are not allowed to talk to me that way. Um, because I, I, I don't want him to ever allow anybody to speak to him that way. I don't want, I, I mean, if kids feel safe to share their feelings and boundaries with us, they will say, feel safe to do that with everyone else. And that is what we want. We don't ever want them to feel, to question whether or not they should set a boundary just because another adult says something, yeah. uh, no recipe for disaster. Um, exactly. Well, <laughs> I can think of a lot of things. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and, and you might feel triggered as a parent when, you know, your kid says that's not nice or you're being mean or whatever, but that's just your body's way of saying, I'm not comfortable taking accountability for my own behaviors yet. And that's an area for growth for me. Yeah. Um, Cause a lot so. of parents will put, you know, throw that, that uh, I am the parent. I, you know, I can, and don't talk back to me that way you know, control and power. Yeah. And I think that has to shift a bit because we, there are some things that might have been effective when we were raised, you know, in terms of how we were raised, but I think a lot of it needs to change in terms of how we can break the patterns of the way that our kids then show up in relationships, because that's exactly what's happening we are repeating the pattern, you know, and I see this a lot with people who stay in unhealthy, unhappy marriages because they fear what impact is this going to have on the kids? And my response is always like, well, what impact is your current marriage going to have on them? Because what they see is what they do. And I'm also, you know, not every behavior can be taught. A lot of it is caught. So like you, like you and I talked about already this pattern and what they see is how they will end up showing up in their yeah. future. Yeah. And they, they might not even know why or how, because they just witnessed it. And then it was internalized as, oh, that's what a marriage looks like. 
Um, and you know, my, ultimately my decision to walk away from my marriage, it was this question of what example do I want to set for my daughter? And it's this totally, that's exactly like I'm in, I want to be able to tell her I walked away. And so can you? Yes. I mean, that is, that could be more powerful right? That is the most powerful message you can possibly send. Well, Dana, thank you so much for being here today. I just love this conversation. I love that you are really changing the experience of parenting and really breaking those patterns going forward. Cause I think that in this space, we're all trying to do that same thing so that everything that we do now is going to really impact our children and how the world works in terms of relationships and patterns going forward. So I love that. Um, and you let us know that you're on Instagram at, tell us once more time where they can sure. find you. <laughs> um, the dot conscious dot healing dot mama. And okay. then um, Dana on awesome. And you have like coaching programs, you run programs like that for people. So I don't have any active programs running right now, but I do some one-on-one coaching. Um, but it, everything's kind of up in the air right now. I will just say that. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? You give so many tips and really amazing advice on your Instagram. So start right there. If anyone is listening, start right there, go check her out. And when you're struggling in this parenting business too, as we all are, because it's freaking hard. And if you are struggling in your relationship and figuring out what are ways that I can change this or change who I become in my next relationship. You know, here's where we, where you start and we're here for you. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Dana, for have, for coming this week. Um, and I look forward to seeing you all again here next week. Thank you for listening to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce. We hope Cindy and her guests were able to put your mind at ease and help you make the right decision for your marriage. We wish you a beautiful week.